Have you ever had to relearn your way? Maybe you've been somewhere a few times, and if you're like me and you're a little directionally challenged, you go a few times, and then maybe a few weeks or months pass, and you're supposed to go back to the same spot. Well, what I have to do is get out my phone and turn on Google Maps, because I usually don't remember how to get there again, right? Sometimes we have to relearn something that we knew before. Sometimes that happens with a foreign language, right? You, you learn that language in high school or college, and then a few years pass, and... A lot of it's gone, and if you want to speak that language or read that language again, what you have to do is review. You've got to get a book out and relearn your way around that language. It can happen with operating some kind of equipment, right? You have dexterity and everything, you know how to do it, and then suddenly time passes and you forget some of the finer points. Happens with a computer program. You know, there's a computer programs that I use a lot for a little while, and then Again, months pass, and I don't remember exactly how to do all that stuff anymore. We have to relearn our way. And the truth is, that can even happen in our relationship with God. Maybe there was a time in your life when you can look back on and say, I was really close to God at this point. My relationship with God was blossoming, blossoming in a way, and, and I felt close to God, and I felt confident, and, and there were answers to the questions, and I was in a really good place with God. But for some reason, maybe that's not true today. For some reason, you're struggling in your relationship with God, struggling to feel His presence in your life, struggling to overcome some issues that may have arisen. Maybe you've walked away somehow in your relationship with God, and things are just not the way they once were. You don't feel God's presence in your life the way you want to. And so today, maybe, maybe you're in a situation that you need to find your way back to God. And so we're going to begin a series today that, that talks just about that, finding your way back to God. For some people, the beginning of the year is a natural time to make some kind of commitment, a resolution possibly, to, to get back where you were spiritually at another time, or, or maybe even to explore your faith in a way that you never have before. And so I want to help with that. I want us to spend a few weeks thinking about how if we've walked away from God or somehow find ourselves far from God, how do we make those steps that can allow us to develop the relationship that we had with God and open that up in a way that we never have before? So let's work on finding our way back to God over the next few weeks. One of the things that I think sometimes keeps us from the relationship with God that we want and maybe allows us to walk away is our struggles with faith, the questions that come up in life, the things that we don't know how to answer. Sometimes those are the very things that, that push us away from God. I grew up in a tradition in which we didn't really talk about those things. We didn't talk about our questions for God, the things that were bothering us about God and who He is and how we understand Him. We just really focused on this is what you're supposed to believe, and if you don't believe it, then something's wrong. And, and I think that came because of some fear. I think there was fear that, well you, just don't, well, you just don't talk to God about that stuff, right? I mean, God is God. We're not God, and, and God deserves our honor and respect, and He does. God deserves what we sometimes call reverence, and He does. God deserves all that, so we shouldn't, shouldn't question God. We don't talk about that stuff. And the second thing that I think we struggled with was, 
Well, if one person begins to talk about their faith questions, if one person begins to talk about the challenges that they're facing in faith, if one person begins to talk about their doubt, then what's going to happen? It's going to spread. More people are going to be affected by that. And more people are going to question their faith. And so we just didn't talk about it. I actually saw this at work yesterday. I was on Twitter and, and I saw one comment that illustrates this perfectly. I think we've got it on the screen. We can get there. I know that's hard to read, but what it says is, someone posted this, doubt is slander against the Almighty. Jesus died to save you from doubt, not to make space for it. Now we've got a problem with that. Because when we tell people your doubt is slander against the Almighty, what have we just told them? You can't talk about it, right? You're not allowed to talk about the questions that you have for God in this place. And so what are they left to do? Either find those answers somewhere else, struggle with their faith internally and feel alone and somehow abnormal in their faith, and eventually walk away. So, you know, the problem with all this thinking is it's not the way we approach any other part of life. When we're struggling in a relationship with someone else, whether it's family or a friend or someone we go to church with, and we've got this issue in front of us, what do we say? You need to go to that person and work it out. You need to talk about it. We need to deal with it. Because if we don't, what's going to happen? The relationship will suffer. And so when we say to Christians, listen, I know you're struggling with God, but we're not going to talk about it. What happens? The relationship suffers, and eventually they walk away from God. So, if we're trying to find our way back to God, if we're working on this relationship and we've got some questions, questions like, well, why do bad things happen? Why am I facing this? Why hasn't God protected me from this? Why is this relationship suffering? Where's God when you need him? Why don't I feel God's presence? If we say, listen, you can't talk about that here, people will shut down. So, what's a healthy way to deal with this? Well, Scripture gives us an answer to that. Scripture deals with these very things. And if we look in the book of Psalms, I think we find the greatest honesty about these kinds of questions and doubts that we find anywhere in Scripture. And today I want us to look at a specific psalm that deals with just this, and it's Psalm 13. If you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to turn there with me. Psalm 13. It's a short psalm. We're going to read the whole thing before the end of the day. And I think what we find here is a case study in dealing with the questions that we have with God. Now, there are many psalms that we could turn to. And my very problem with that tweet that we read earlier is that if doubt is slander against God, then you better rip out the book of Psalms because it's all over the book of Psalms. Now, Psalm 13, let's just read verse 1 to begin. The psalmist says, How long? How long, Lord? There's lots of psalms that begin that way. Lots of psalms that contain that question. And it's the personal name for God that we've talked about before. The name the Israelites had for God, it's Yahweh. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? I think for a lot of us, when we read just those words in this psalm, immediately our reaction is, are you really allowed to talk to God that way? 
because nobody ever gave me permission to talk to God like that. But here it is. Right in the middle of your Bible, right in the book of Psalms, this psalmist crying out to God, God, I, I don't sense your presence. I, I don't feel like you're here. And more than that, it just seems like it's going on forever. Are you just going to forget me? I mean, I'm, I'm alone in this. God, what am I supposed to do, especially if you're not present? And that's what the psalmist says. And maybe you felt that way. Maybe you've gone through a season in life or are in a season in life where you want to call out to God and say, God, how long is this going to go on? How long is it going to be like this? Because right now it feels like you've forgotten me. Verse 2, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And I've got this internal wrestling with something that's happening in my life, something that's not right. God, how long is this going to go on? How long is this fight going to continue? Because sometimes we feel like, God, I don't know how long I can keep fighting. So when are you going to take up the fight for me? When are you going to deal with this for me? Because I can't do it anymore. How long will my enemy triumph over me? If you look at that progression that we see in just verses 1 and 2, we have a sort of a threefold progression. It begins with theological questions. What does that mean? Big word that just means it has to do with God. Right? Theology is just our understanding of God, our study of God. And so in verse 1, it's, God, how long is this going to go on? How long are you going to wait before you do something? Because I don't get this. So it's between me and God. And then at the beginning of verse 2, he says, how long will I wrestle with my thoughts? So it becomes personal. At first, it's, it's me and God. And then the psalmist notes that so much of this is internal. We deal with this inside ourselves. And then third, it becomes relational. God, all my enemies, and, and God, it, it's your enemies too. All these people who talk about, why does this guy believe in God? Why does he trust this God? They're laughing at me. When are you going to address this? So it's all of life can get bound up in our questions and our doubts until we just don't know what to do with them. And then in verse 3, the psalm takes a, a different turn and, and in some ways becomes even more shocking to me. Verses 3 and 4 say this, Look on me and answer, Lord my God. When have you said that to God? I haven't. God, I want an answer. And I want it now. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or here's the result. I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. It's a call to action. It's a call for God to just do something. Because the psalmist recognizes without the help of God, the ultimate result is death. The ultimate result is defeat. Because there are many things in life that we know we can't overcome on our own, right? 
We're just not strong enough. We just don't have that ability. We don't have the spiritual strength to deal with it ourselves. And so the psalmist looks on his life and says, God, listen, if you don't act, I know I'm defeated. If you don't do something, this is just over for me, God. That's the kind of challenge that the psalmist presents to God. So what do we have so far? So far we've got the psalmist saying, God, when are you going to act? When are you going to do something? Because I feel like I'm forgotten here. And then second, in three and four, we've got this call for God to act. Not just a question, but, but God, do something. Because defeat is the only thing that's left. So we have this psalmist who's laid out his heart completely before God. Been completely honest and candid with God. Not holding anything back. The questions are out there. The doubt is out there. Everything is out there for God to see. And then we have this interesting response, which I think brings all this together and teaches us how we do this appropriately before an almighty God. Verse 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. How does the psalmist do that? How does he go from, God, I don't understand what you're doing. God, when are you going to act? God, I need you to be present, and I need you to be present now, too. I'm going to trust in your unfailing love. And the word there, unfailing love, we've talked about that word before as well. It's the, the Hebrew word hesed, which is God's covenantal, promising love. God set up a relationship with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his people, and God made promises to them and said, I will be your God, and this is the way I'm going to act. And the psalmist responds to that and says, God, I know the promises you've made, and I know you're going to keep them. And so because of that, I trust you. And so he responds in faith, is what this is. It's faith. And beside faith is worship. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Now, I love the way this psalm comes together. And I love what it teaches us, because it teaches us, listen, you know what? You could go to God in prayer today. You could sit down this afternoon and say to God, God, I, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't get it. I've got all these questions and doubts and I'm waiting on you to act. And God, in fact, I need you to act now. I need you to be at work in my life because I am broken and I'm facing defeat. And even in that, the conclusion of that same prayer can be words of faith. And I think what the psalmist is teaching us is that you know, real faith and real worship come in the context of being completely open and candid with God with the most difficult things that are going on in our heart. And so when we are that honest with God, we can come back to faith. See, sometimes we get that just all wrong. We think if we push down all the questions, push down all the doubt, and pretend that they're not there, and try to hide them from everyone else, from ourselves, and from God, then they're really not there. But they don't go away. It's only when we allow that to be spoken to God can then we come back 
and respond in faith and worship and be a whole, complete human being because what we've done is laid everything out before God. And here's the lesson that I think we learned from that. God is not afraid of your hard questions or mine. God can handle it. Who do we think we're worshiping here? When we think we have to protect God from our questions and our doubts, we've got the wrong God in mind. Because God can deal with that. He is strong enough. He is big enough to take whatever I've got in me and help me walk through it. And so when, when I take this stuff to God and talk to Him about my questions and talk to Him about my doubts, I'm much more likely to be able to end up responding in faith and worship than if I try to hide part of me from a God who sees it all anyway. So God's not afraid of your hard questions, your doubts, any of that stuff. God can handle it. When you take it to Him, He can deal with it. And when we don't talk to God about that, that's when we have problems. And if we look in the Psalms and see Psalms like this one, Psalm 13, and see that it's okay for biblical writers, okay, it, it's all right for people that God inspired to, to bring us his word. If it's okay for them to talk about all this stuff, it's okay for us. It's okay for us to take this stuff to God. And when we try to say, well, it's not somehow right to talk to God in this way, we're ignoring a big part of Scripture. And then if we say, well, if we bring this stuff up in church, then other people might have the same questions and it's going to cause problems. I think we're fooling ourselves. Because even when we don't talk about the questions, they are there. Even when we pretend we don't have those questions, there are other people in the room who have them. And we are so much healthier as individuals and as a church when we confront the reality of the questions and doubts than when we tell people it's not okay to talk about them. And so we're better off when we open ourselves up and speak about these things that really do matter and are on people's minds and hearts. And we are unafraid to say all of this. Now, it's not easy because people bring up difficult things. Hard questions that we don't have simple answers to because God doesn't always give us simple answers. What God does give us is himself. What God does give us is the, the opportunity and the responsibility to respond in faith after we've opened ourselves up with those questions. And so people are going to ask a lot of questions if we really open this up. They're going to say, does God really exist? Where is he? Why does God allow bad things to happen? Why would God tell me I can't do something when I really want to? Why don't I feel close to God? Does God really care about me? Now, we could give some short answers to lots of those questions, but they're not satisfactory. What we've got to do is delve in in people's lives with the words of Scripture that God has given us to handle this stuff. And he has done that. We look to the teachings of Jesus. We look to 
to what Paul had to say, to what John had to say. And, you know, it's not like Paul's teachings are simple. Sometimes they're hard to understand. But they give the answers to complex questions because people were asking the same questions in the first century that they're asking now. It may take a little bit different context, but they're still the basic core human questions. And it goes all the way back to the book of Psalms where people are asking these questions then. So it's our responsibility as individuals in the church to be honest about our questions, to allow space for those questions, and not to say when someone has a serious question that's on their heart, listen, you can't ask that here. We don't talk about that stuff here. It's not okay. Because they're going to go somewhere else. And they just might not get a biblical, God-centered, faith-based answer to the question. And so we want to be the kind of place that allows those conversations so that we, as the church, get an opportunity to speak answers that are from God see, and lead back to where the, this psalm ends, that lead back to faith and worship. God's not afraid of those questions. We shouldn't be either. Let's pray together. God, we trust in your unfailing love, just like the psalmist did. We trust in your ability to deal with our deepest questions, our doubts, our struggles. God, we trust in you, a powerful God, who will always walk through us with our deepest questions, our doubts, everything that we need. And so God, we come to you in trust and worship knowing that you're powerful enough to handle everything that we've got. God, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.